Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 13th edition of the 1853 podcast of Monmouth's 2018-19 school year, we'll hear from this year's Witzfeld Robeson lecturer. That was Kim Kidwell. She's dean of the University of Illinois College of Agriculture, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences. Monmouth Communication Studies professor Robert Hink will tell us about some of his fascinating research on the recent U.S.-North Korean summit. And Monmouth's College Sports Information Director Dan Nolan will bring us up to speed on what's happening in Fighting Scots Athletics. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Before we chat with this week's guest, a few reminders. Because of next week's Thanksgiving holiday break, our next 1853 podcast won't be posted until November 29. Also, a reminder that the Monmouth College campus will be closed on November 22 and 23 in observance of the Thanksgiving holiday and also so that its students, faculty, and staff can give thanks by consuming many slices of different varieties of pie. If you're in Monmouth during the Thanksgiving break, a reminder that there's a great show down at the Buchanan Center for the Arts with a Monmouth Connection. Through January 4, the BCA is exhibiting a show titled Harlow Bloom Retrospective, celebrating 60-plus years of creativity. And, of course, that features the works of Monmouth College Emeritus Professor of Art Harlow Bloom. There's more information about the show, which is getting a lot of attention, at the BCA website, and that address is bcaarts.org. And don't forget that Mama's very talented Department of Theater is presenting John Cariani's lovely play, Almost Maine, this Thursday through this Sunday. That's November 15 through November 18 on your calendar. The play is being performed down at the Fusion Theater, which is down on Main Street in downtown Monmouth. I've seen some of the rehearsals, and it's just the kind of warm show to warm you during this early blast of winter. You can read more about the play on the Monmouth College website, and that address is, of course, monmouthcollege.edu. There's a link to the theater department's homepage, which is where you can purchase tickets online. Finally, if you're looking to make sense of the very murky and muddy 2018 midterm elections, Be sure to be on campus on Tuesday, November 27. That's when Amy Walter, she's the political editor of the Cook Political Report and a frequent commentator on public television, will give a talk on campus. She'll speak at 7 o'clock in the evening on November 27 in the Wells Theater. And the talk is free and open to the public in no small part thanks to support from the good folks at Mama's Security Savings Bank. You can read more about that as well in the news section of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu slash news. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast. 
I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Mom of College Office of Communications and Marketing. On Monday night in the Dahl Chapel and Auditorium, the Monmouth community heard a great talk from Kim Kidwell. She's the Dean of the University of Illinois College of Agriculture, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences. Dean Kidwell delivered the third annual Wiswell Robeson Lecture. That's an annual talk about agriculture often centered on the industry in the Midwest. Dean Kidwell spoke about agriculture and food, as well as looked to several trends affecting as well as those about to affect the ag industry. The Westwell Robeson Lecture was founded in 2016 thanks to a very generous gift from 1960 Monmouth graduate Jean Giddings Robeson of Monmouth. Jean and her late husband, Don Robeson, who was a 1954 Monmouth graduate, operated their farm here in Warren County. Jean says the lecture is a wonderful way to recognize and honor the region's agricultural community. I fund this lecture because I want to give back to the farmers of West Central Illinois. They are an amazing group of men and women. I, it's a thank you, and it's from my heart, and um, I think my husband would have been very pleased that this was set up and that it's going forward. It, it helps the community to hear and meet other people than just their own local people. One of the things Dean Kidwell urged the audience to do in her talk was to consider the source of their food. It's really important for people to think about where their food comes from because that information provides valuable insight to source. I think people take it for granted that food is safe and ample and always available. And when we lose connection with the purpose to that and where it really sources from, we take it for granted in a way that has a negative impact on the industry. So I want people to become more curious about where their food comes from so they can connect with the source and have more appreciation for what it takes to grow good food, healthy food, safe food, and what it takes to get it to them. The University of Illinois is one of the nation's land-grant universities, which trace their origins back to the Federal Morrill Act of 1862. As Dean Kidwell points out, research at the nation's land-grant universities affects people's lives in many ways. I think the land grants do so much to address real problems that maybe other people don't take on. So we're embracing some of the grand challenges around uh, foods, family, health, well-being, community, vibrancy. And we do it in relationship with communities. And I actually think that's the big difference. So we're going shoulder to shoulder with people trying to address real problems that they have in the places that they live. And to do that by doing really great science that helps solve some of those problems. And I, I think without the land grant system, you just don't see much of that happening. You know, we're, we're actually non-for-profit in lots of ways, so we can be unbiased in the, the approach we take to addressing those concerns. And the other thing that we're absolutely committed to is, is training the next generation of experts in, in these fields. Dean Kidwell is the first woman to lead her alma mater's College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences. It's also where she earned her undergraduate degree before moving on to the University of Wisconsin, she earned her master's and her doctorate. It's crazy. 
You know, I graduated from that college, and uh, to be the dean of the college I graduated from is something I never, ever dreamed would be a possibility. Uh, For me, it was a give-back moment. You know, I came back to Illinois two years ago. The budget was in a really, really rough space, and um, when I interviewed, uh, I actually didn't expect to, to fall in love with the place, but the truth of the matter is the people are fabulous, and the students are unbelievable. The faculty are great. Uh, And I just kept thinking to myself, you know, they deserve better than this. And, you know, one thing I could do is come back and do my best to change the paradigm there. And I think we're heading in the right direction. You know, I'm excited about it. We've met people all over the state uh, that want to work with us. And I think it's important that the universities in the state stand together. It's not just about U of I. It's about all of us together fighting for vibrancy in our communities and keeping our kids in this state, creating economic opportunities for them, developing places for people to create vibrancy in families. And the only way we're going to do that is to do it together. So, you know, I I guess I came home to make sure that uh, the, the home light burns bright for a long, long time. That's Kim Kidwell. She's the dean of the University of Illinois College of Agricultural, Consumer, and Environmental Sciences. She delivered a great third annual Wiswell Robeson lecture on Monday night. You also heard from 1960 Monmouth graduate Jean Giddings Robeson. She's responsible for funding the wonderful lecture. You can read more about Dean Kidwell's lecture, and you can also check out a link to it on the college's YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash College. You can find that story in the news section of the Monmouth College website, And, of course, that address is monmouthcollege.edu slash news. Back in June, the United States and North Korea held a summit in Singapore to discuss, among other issues, the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Among the scholars who've studied the historic summit is Monmouth Communication Studies professor Robert Hank. As Robert explains, he and a group of communication scholars from other schools were recently asked by the Pentagon to study a specific aspect of the summit. So I'm a part of a research team here, and what we look at are foreign media narratives discussing topics of interest to U.S. policy. And so we get contracted by the Pentagon through the Joint Chiefs of Staff to look into questions that one two, three, or even four-star generals ask us specifically about um, problems or issues that are too complex that they need basically to outsource to academics or other think tanks and everything. So the project specifically that I was working on um, over the summer and into the fall here was looking at uh, Chinese and Russian perceptions, narratives, media narratives, um, examining the North Korean nuclear negotiations between North Korea and the United States. By examining more than a thousand articles of Chinese and Russian language media sources from May 2017 until August 2018, Robert says that he and his team of researchers found that the Russian and Chinese media had to walk a challenging balancing act when it came to covering the U.S.-North Korean summit. Both China and Russia at times tried to undermine some U.S. interests and influence in the region. But more surprisingly, before the Trump-Kim summit, we found that the Chinese were kind of stuck between Iraq and a hard place. 
they were simultaneously trying to uphold or argue that they're upholding international norms. And so in that case, they were admonishing North Korea for their truculent uh, missile tests and the development of their nuclear programs. But at the same time, they didn't want the United States to have too much influence in how this process unfolded because it's of interest to the Chinese not to have too much U.S. interest on the Korean Peninsula. Based on what we found, um, prior to the Trump-Kim summit, the Chinese and Russians were a little bit more on the defensive. Uh, the Chinese in particular were worried about both showcasing that they're upholders of international norms, specifically the United Nations sanctions on North Korea. But at the same time, they didn't want the U.S. to be too successful on the, uh, with their negotiations with the North Koreans because they didn't want that much of a U.S. presence on the Korean Peninsula. Um, Post-summit, what we realized was the data showcased how Chinese narratives and U.S. actions during the summit actually legitimized the Russian and Chinese perspective that the only way to resolve the issue was through communication, that is, not pressure tactics. Um, the United States liked to put pressure on North Korea to denuclearize, specifically um, by doing some of the military exercises with its regional allies, such as Japan and South Korea, as well as uh, harsher or pushing for harsher economic sanctions on North Korea. And so what happened after the summit was that by sitting down with Kim Jong-un and agreeing to stop some of these military exercises and also uh, praising Kim for some of the steps that he made in terms of actually trying to denuclearize, the result was that the Chinese and Russians praised that, look, when all these countries sit down, when they suspend these aggressive actions, then we're able to come to some type of agreement. But Robert notes that there was a caveat to their findings. Kim Jong-un didn't give tangible specific steps in terms of how North Korea actually planned on completely verifying and denuclearizing um, their nuclear capabilities, which meant that this leaves an ongoing drawn-out process between the United States and North Korea in terms of determining these specifics here. So in the meantime, what happens is Chinese and Russians, they both see that their national prestige increases because ultimately they were correct in that a communication-based dispute uh, resolution led to some type of resolution of the issue. However, they also won in that there wasn't significant steps or achievement of U.S. goals because North Korea still has nuclear weapons at this time. Robert says that his group's research has several uses for the U.S. government. If we can understand the perceptions, um, posited by Chinese and Russian news media, then we can come to better understand and craft policies that are going to be more effective. Um, we can combat specific narratives that try and portray the United States and its intentions in less successful or less flattening ways. And altogether, then, this kind of serves or benefits U.S. policy in this region. And Robert says that his research also benefits his students and colleagues at Monmouth College. I bring in all of my research back, both into the, uh, my classes, but then also larger campus community. Specifically, what I like to do in my Common One classes, showcase some of the PowerPoint slides here, highlighting the importance of audience analysis. So uh, for those who might not be familiar with kind of Pentagon or big government bureaucracies, they tend to like PowerPoints that have a lot of words and a lot of visuals. And so what I did was I showed my Common One class, my actual PowerPoint presentation that detailed all the findings as the Pentagon or the military officials would want to read them. 
And then I made sure that they realized that this was an example of audience analysis, that generally speaking, these are not the ideas or the principles that you want to follow in good, effective visual aids. Um, nonetheless, you have to be responsive to you know who it is that you're speaking to. So that's one case that I bring it into my common one. That's Monmouth Communication Studies professor Robert Hink talking about his research on how the Chinese and Russian media covered last summer's U.S.-North Korean summit. Robert's one of the very talented and bright scholars in Monmouth's Communication Studies Department. Before we get into this week's athletic segment, a reminder of the multitude of ways in which you can follow Monmouth College in the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash College. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and the college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. If you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Monmouth on Snapchat at This Is Monmouth. And for some great music, be sure to check out Monmouth College on Spotify. The person behind MonmouthScots.com, which is your official source on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related, is Monmouth Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. Dan writes almost all of the stories that are posted on the website, and he recently had to write one of the tougher stories in his career when it was announced that volleyball coach Kerry Shimon is retiring after a very distinguished 21-year career at the college. Stepping away from coaching volleyball, she's going to concentrate now on uh, her teaching and advising duties, so we'll still be here as a, a faculty member uh, in the kinesiology department. But uh, after 21 years, uh, she's uh, hanging up the whistle uh, for volleyball, and I know uh, that was a, a tough decision for her. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's been around as long as I've been here, and, and uh, uh when she and I were talking uh, on that Monday when she was telling me about it, uh, we were reminiscing. And we actually go back to when she was in junior high and I was in the broadcast industry uh, covering her as a student athlete. So, um, yeah, that, that, that uh, release was pretty tough to write for me, but uh, I'm glad she's going to have time to spend with her family. And uh, she's got four uh, school-age kids, and, and I know how that is to, to miss your, your kids' events because you're busy at, a, at an athletic event. But uh, I wish her the best of luck. She'll still be around. Around. You know, she's still part of the program and uh, pretty much will be an icon here in uh, Fighting Scots Athletics for many, many years. The Monmouth football team season came to an end last Saturday afternoon in Wisconsin. And although it's cliche, it was a hard-fought 10-7 loss at St. Norbert College that ended the Scots' two-year run as champions of the Midwest Conference. Chad Braun's 2018 Monmouth Scots finished the season with an overall record of 8-2. and two. And uh, Coach Braun, for the fourth straight time, uh, won the uh, South Division Coach of the Year honor. So he's 4-4 four for four on that. And, you know, you can't argue with that. In four years, and his, four, his uh, senior group, uh, they're 35-7. and seven. So that's just a tad off of nine wins a year. And I think any coach would would love to have that. So what a you know a, a great year, and and I can't say enough about the team how they bounced back from that uh, that season opening loss up at Wheaton, uh, came back beat number thirteen Wartburg right after that, and then just rolled through the rest of the season. And and Dan says the 2018 Monmouth football season was chalked full of memorable moments. There, there were so many highlights. Uh, just uh, watching Hayden Nelson really take off as quarterback uh, was was just phenomenal uh, year for him. And and uh, uh, kind of a highlight, low light, uh, DeAndre uh, 
a right to challenging for another 1,000-yard season. Of course, he was hurt there for about two, three games and uh, came up uh, less than 140 yards uh, shy of hitting his third 1,000-yard season. So that was that was kind of a good news, bad news uh, to, to see him be so close. Uh, you know, that offensive line, very young, three freshman starters, and uh, they really developed and matured throughout the year. So that was great. And, you know, on, on the defensive side, uh, uh, look at the, the defensive secondary. He had four brand-new guys back there and really did a great job and, and it started up front too with the uh, with the defensive line and uh, headlined obviously by uh, Thomas Lesniewski a, a preseason All-American and we didn't know if he was going to get that sack record or not and uh, he did it the uh, the uh, bronze turkey game got the sack against uh, Knox and uh, broke the record that stood for almost 30 years uh, so that was great to see and uh, we'll, we'll see if any other postseason accolades come his way he was also named the defensive MVP for the for the conference so and and the defense you know as a unit uh, they gave up a little over eight points a game and right now that ranks fourth in the nation monmouth men's basketball tipped off their 2018-19 season last saturday with a win at eureka college they opened home on thursday night against mcmurray college yeah, and no, the the men got off to a great start uh, last uh, weekend. Uh, beat Eureka one hundred one to ninety one. Uh, liked the score on our side. Didn't like the score on their side. <laughs> it was a little bit higher than we expected. I think we're going to have a pretty exciting season now. Can we repeat as conference champs? Um, I don't know, but uh, we're going to be a lot of fun to watch. I can guarantee that. The Mammoth women's basketball team opens away as well this season before they return home next week. Yeah, the, the women uh, start in the Eastern Time Zone. They're out in Anderson, Indiana this weekend. Uh, Saturday they'll uh, be taking on Aurora, and then Sunday they take on Anderson uh, for their, their openers. So they jump into it right away. And then on Tuesday uh, we'll be hosting, the women will host Eureka, and the men take on uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. So uh, our home women's opener uh, is Tuesday, and, and the men will already have a home game under their belt. But uh, we're looking forward to a good basketball season out of both the men and the women. Monmouth coach Tom Burek's swim program has also gotten off to a strong start this season. Well, uh, Preston Bochy, our, one of our sophomores, uh, was in the win column three times, uh, once on a relay and two individual uh, swims. And then uh, we also had uh, Andrew Shy, a freshman, uh, picked up a win. And in that meet last year, uh, it's with uh, other conference schools, uh, two of the powerhouses in the conference, Grinnell and Lake Forest. And then Illinois College is in there with us as a four-team meet. Uh, last year, we didn't win a single event. And this year, we won three, and we even had a freshman win an event. So Coach Burek is pretty excited about the, uh, the possibilities this year, at least based on, on what happened. That's Monmouth College Sports Information Director Dan Nolan. He's the person behind MammothScots.com, your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. And don't forget to follow Mammoth Athletics on Twitter. You can do that at MC Fighting Scots. Looking ahead to our next 1853 podcast, we'll meet this year's Moot Court contestants. We'll also have some more news from the college's academic programs. And as we do every week, we'll check in with the friendly folks over at the Huff Athletic Center to see what's happening in Monmouth College Athletics. And that's going to be a 30 for this 13th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2018-19 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. 
be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you.